Welcome to the Amore Podcast here on AmorePodcast.com. I'm your host, Larry Gilbert. On this episode, I talk to Tom Patterson, founder of Tommy John. From their website, Tom has reinvented men's underwear when he had the concept for his product while working as a medical device salesman confined to a suit as he traveled from meeting to meeting. He couldn't get through the day without his undershirts, underwear, and socks bunching, pinching, and sagging. He quit his job and started Tommy John with the support of his wife, Erin, a local tailor, and a small team of designers. Tom reimagined the fit, feel, and function of a man's most fundamental layers. He built and patented new features from scratch. The result, shirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and underwear that keeps everything in place whichever way a man moves. Tommy John can be found at Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, among many other fine retailers, including on their website at tommyjohn.com. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tom Patterson, founder of Tommy John. First, thanks for taking some time to do this. I appreciate it. Sure, thanks for having me. How did the concept come about, and where did the brand come about for you, and, and how did it all start for you? So I was a former medical device salesman living in San Diego, wearing a suit and tie every day, meeting with doctors and surgeons, doing presentations, and you know, trying to be healthy and fit and exercise. I was starting to tailor my dress shirts and wear more slimmer fit clothing, and I couldn't figure out why men's undershirts were all designed to be form-fitting for a UPS box. Designed like a square, they would stretch out, they would yellow quickly, and I just found myself frustrated and going through multi-packs, you know, every three or four months, and I uh, started watching this TV show called The Big Idea on MSNBC with Donnie Deutsch, and the premise of the show was, it's basically like my generation for at that time, it was very much like Shark Tank. Inventors come on, they tell them how they created this product, but the concept was, if something frustrates you, maybe there's a better way to make it. I would wake up every day thinking, gosh, what can I make better? And I got out of my car one day going into a hospital to do a presentation. Everything's tucked in, but my undershirt's bunched up around my waistline. I have this excess fabric cut. And I'm just like, why in the heck hasn't anyone addressed men's undershirts? Maybe there's got to be someone. And I started researching them almost you know, obsessively, and I couldn't find one that worked. So I just ended up going to downtown Los Angeles for the garment district, bought some fabric at a, at a fabric store, took it to a tailor at a dry cleaners two blocks from where I lived at the time with a sketch that my wife helped me draw with my second grade art skill, said, you make two of these shirts designed this way, well, longer tapered. And I just wanted to see if the idea worked. I figured, you know, it's a hundred bucks, it's dinner for my wife and I, and and it did. And I ended up making more shirts, sent them out to friends of mine who I knew wore undershirts. And they all called back and said, Tom, if you ever make more of these, I'll buy them from you. I've never worn anything that's functioned this way. And it solves my problems too. So I ended up finding, it, finding a manufacturer in downtown Los Angeles and being, I had no experience in fashion. I had no networks. I had no one I knew in the industry. So I had a completely different perspective on it. I was just trying to solve my problem and ended up yeah. finding a pattern maker and a manufacturer made 200 shirts, built a two-page PayPal checkout website and started selling them into independent men's specialty stores. And I think I was, my advantage was I was, I had strategic selling in my background. So instead of selling a medical device, I was now selling better fitting, more functional underwear and undershirts. But to your point, San Diego probably would have been a better place for me to create surfboards or board shorts or flip-flops. Yeah. 
certainly not the, the epicenter of men's undershirts, <laughs> which is why we why we've gravitated to New York City, where there's probably more guys wearing an undershirt on a daily basis than anywhere else in the world. Um, but you know, that's the more long-winded version. But really, the short version, completely by accident. I never thought a million years would be selling men's underwear or undershirts, but it came out of trying to solve a personal problem that I had that I felt other guys could relate to and also had. And and are the products proprietary, like the, the original T-shirt design? And um, do you ever fear like a, like a bigger player in the space trying to replicate that? I know there's been some of that in the fashion industry or in the clothing industry. Uh, so do you ever fear yeah. that? Oh, of course. You know, when I did, I thought, gosh, this is, if this has never been created, I want to apply for a patent. So we applied for a provisional patent, which protects your idea for a year. And within that year period, it gives you an opportunity to go sell it into the market to see if there really is a market for this, which I thought there was. Yeah. And then once you determine that, you, you apply for an official patent. So we were in patent pending for seven years. And one of the exciting things is we just received a, a U.S. patent last, uh, last August where we have the world's first undershirt with a state top guarantee. It's a utility patent, so it's related to a longer length, a tapered design multi-directional stretch fabric and, and certain measurement ratios that allow the shirt, once you put it on, it moves with you, not against you, thus staying in place and staying tucked in and eliminating excess fabric cut. So, you know, we've really flattered ourselves on innovating, you know, this sleepy category. You could argue men's underwear and undershirts really hadn't evolved since the early 1900s and union suits being worn. And uh, do you ever plan on expanding the line, uh, getting into maybe more performance stuff and, and growing the brand in that sense, like an Under Armour or something like that, uh, where it originates from one product and just expands into this big apparel brand? Uh, potentially. I mean, I think, you know, I would argue they're more of a performance brand where I think we're comfort first. All of our products certainly have performance characteristics. But, you know, if you look at what the men's underwear industry, it's a $4.1 billion industry in the U.S. alone. 1.3 of it's undershirts, 2.8 of it is underwear. You know, we're on pace to exceed $100 million in annual sales by 2018. In total sales, while it's a lot to be proud of, it still shows that there's so much more market in men's underwear that we think we have room to take and disrupt. You know, it's been such a sleepy category for so long. I think we're one of the newer brands that are really disrupting it in a new way and the customers really voting up for value, for performance, for higher level of comfort, durability and things that you could argue brands of the past weren't able to deliver. We call it three apps, fabric, fit and function, patented or proprietary fabrics, unique fits, and everything has a functionality from undershirt staying tucked in to underwear that doesn't ride up your legs to having a a no wedgie guarantee to socks that once you put them on, they don't fall down. So everything solves a problem we feel we've identified in the market that guys can relate to to a certain extent. Okay, and the, and with the company being still young, would you ever consider at some point selling to a larger player or going the way of like a Dollar Shave Club and selling to a larger company or going public or, or something like that? Or are you just happy right now just following the path that you have been uh, just running the company yourself? Yeah, I mean, look, it's always something that comes up. I think right now we're just focused on innovation and building a profitable brand. You know, we don't think we've scratched the surface on the, the category we're in currently men's underwear, and we think there's, you know, there are opportunities outside of the category. Um, but I think if you look at the brands like Nike or an Under Armour or Lululemon, a lot of those companies 
were built off a single product, to your point, and they were never created with the mentality, I'm going to go public. The business kind of grew into the position to have the opportunity to decide if they wanted to go public or not. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we continue to do things the way that we are and growing at the scale that we are, I think it you know, will certainly be an opportunity if we decide to at some point. But right now it's not. It's, it's not something we're focused on. Has anyone in the business world or entrepreneurship world inspired you, um, either in the beginning or even now today? Um, even I know you had mentioned, uh, you know, watching the big idea with Tony Deutsch. And, you know, I was a fan of that show, too, growing up. And um, I think it was certainly ahead of its yeah. time. But is, so is, has anyone inspired you or, or anything like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I was so bummed when that show <laughs> went off the air, too, in, in the fall of 2008. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up in, in South Dakota, I had lawnmower businesses. I would wake up in the morning before school and shovel sidewalks and snow blow. So, I've always tried to, to, to make money through some sort of business. And, you know, when I went to college and after I graduated, I thought, all right, I'll work in corporate America. And, and, and while I'm attaining skills and being in sales, understanding how to run my own business, I'll, if an idea comes to me, whether I'm, you know, 28 when it did or 38 or 48, um, I want to become an entrepreneur. Um, I just always felt something would come to me at some point. But I think what really pushed me over the hump is my, my girlfriend, my at the time, now my wife, Erin, had started an organic website where she was selling vitamins and lotions. And I was just sitting observing you know, her setting pricing and building a website and thinking, gosh, you know, what's my idea? I would love to, to start my own business. And that really got me sparked thinking, you know, what can I do? And then the big idea, I started watching that at the same time. And I think it was a combination of those things that really um, kind of, I guess, lit the fire under me to really take action. And then you, you always hear that the best ideas are ones that are personal that come from something that everyone can relate to or solving a problem that you have. And I think that's one thing. We're not a tech company. We're not a company built around a lot of smart people with MBAs. We're a product innovation company that was created based off of solving one product problem, and now this problem-solving approach has led us into underwear and socks and yeah. loungewear, so I think it's very translatable to other categories. And where did the name come from? Was it a nickname growing up for you, or did you? and did you consider other names before settling on Tommy John? A little bit. You know, my middle name's John. Anyone that's known me since I was in diapers has called me Tommy. Uh, no relation to the baseball pitcher. I threw in the low 70s. I've not had elbow yeah. surgery. And I just <laughs> felt, you know, everyone knows a Tommy or a John. And again, it was just personal. I didn't want it to be Tom Patterson. Um, and I just felt it was a name that would, was just authentic and, and something people would remember. Okay. And, you know, the good thing is we own TommyJohn.com. We're a registered trademark in the apparel space. And I think now with where we are in the market, um, people are starting to think Tommy John underwear first versus um, the surgery. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen it pop up a lot more and, and get a lot more play just in, in conversations with people or what I you know see online and read online. So uh, it's definitely becoming a larger brand name. When you're not working, uh, what do you do to unplug, get away from it all, turn off every device you have um, and just get away, go do something? Uh, good question. I mean, one of the things that I learned starting a business and having a company credit card is you get points. And, you know, starting a business and bootstrapping it and, you know, cashing out your 401k and your savings, um, 
by putting some of the charges starting out with the company on a credit card, it allowed us to go on vacation using miles. It was the only way we could go on vacation. It's the only way we could go on a honeymoon. So one thing that we like to do is, you know, take a trip every three or four months, whether it's just for three or four days or somewhere, like you said, turn off. You know, now being yeah. being a father of uh, almost two-year-old and expecting another baby in February, I think spending family time, it's definitely an outlet more now than ever to just unplug. And I think there's so many distractions with phones and iPads and TVs and computers. People are usually on three or four devices at a time now. Um, yep. So I think you value it differently at different points in your life. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, I, I work out every morning at 545 with a bunch of guys at this place called the Dog Pound here in New York and Tribeca and similar guys, entrepreneurs, um, guys that can relate to, and it's a group of 10 or 15 guys that, you know, you're up at 5.15, you're in the gym, 5.45 to 6.35 and you're done. And being a dad, that's the only way I could find time to work out anymore because at the end of the day, I was just too tired after working, you know, 10 or 12 hour days and coming home. So I would say exercise, spending time with family and, you know, getting chips in here and there is the best way for me as well as watching, you know, Netflix and movies. When <laughs> of course, I got to have time for that. And have your friends and family always been supportive of, of the company and the idea, uh, even from the, from the early stages or were they like, this is crazy. You know, you, you need to secure a job, you need benefits, you need this, you need that. Uh, or were they always supportive and, and just said, yeah, go do it. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, there's no Tommy John without my wife, Erin. You know, her entrepreneurial spirit and determination is what inspired me to launch it in the first place in a lot of ways when she was starting her company. And, you know, she's still a huge part of the day-to-day business and has worked in a variety of departments and leading different departments here at the company. And, um, you know, across the board, family and friends, I think you always, the friends you don't think are going to support you do and the ones you do think are going to support you don't. You know, I still have really good friends who've never worn our product. And I think that was just kind of a learning and something not to expect. But I think you always remember the ones who really believed in you and no one did, who bought those handful of products right away to support you. And I think they're the ones who are most excited to see how far the companies came because they are the ones that, like, you know, bought one of the first 200 or 500 shirts or pairs of underwear. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you could give to a young entrepreneur that's listening that may want to follow in your footsteps? You know, I think for me, there wasn't a lot of entrepreneurial examples other than the big idea, and I, I wish there were. And I think what's happened today is, you know, people complain about how tough it is in the U.S. and how there's less opportunities here. But the beauty about the U.S. is people want to move here from all over the world to start businesses. And you look at entrepreneurs, they're from all they're, they're, from all kinds of different nationalities and ethnicities working in the country. And I think that's what makes makes the U.S. so great. I think you can sit there on the couch and think about it and talk about it and wish and hope. You know, you just have to take action. There's never going to be a perfect time to start the business. And I look at some of the first products we made. It's like the iPod 1. It's heavy. It's clunky. But at the time, it was amazing. And you look at how we've evolved now to, you know, you could argue like that the iPhone 6 or iPhone 7 versions of the first yeah. Tommy Johns. And a lot of that just comes through experience and learning. But honestly, getting started is the hardest part. And I think the barrier to entry with the internet and creating a business online now, it's so much easier than, you know, seven years ago when I started the business where it just hadn't evolved as much. I mean, our first website was a two-page PayPal checkout website. <laughs> and you look at some of the things today with, 
you know, Shopify and Wix and these other platforms. I mean, a six-year-old can create a website and yeah, start selling easier. stuff through 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 YouTube. Um, and I think, you know, so I, I think it's a lot easier than people think. And that's my advice: is just go out and do it. You know, for me, I didn't want to be a coulda, woulda, shoulda guy. When I had this idea, I didn't want to sit here 20 years from now thinking, you know what, I had that idea, I should have done it, I could have done it, and I just don't want to have a life of regrets. And I think now, every day, every year, I think about that, and I just don't want to have regrets of anything I do. And once you embrace that mentality, it's actually very, uh, it's, there's no better feeling in my opinion, just to know. And I don't like uncertainty. I would rather know it's a failure or know it's going to be a success than never knowing at all. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Tom, thanks so much for taking some time to do this. I appreciate it. And best of luck to you and all your future success with the company. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. That was Tom Patterson, founder of Tommy John. You can find Tommy John at Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's, among many other fine retailers, and online at TommyJohn.com. You can follow Tommy John on Facebook at TommyJohnWare, and on Twitter at TommyJohn, and on Instagram at TommyJohnWare. Find more Amore podcast episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Please subscribe to the show and tell us what you think. Comment on each episode post on Facebook and Twitter. And if you love the show, please tell your family and friends. Until next time, I'm Larry Gilbert, and this is the Amore podcast here on AmorePodcast.com. <laughs>